welcome to Connected, episode 394. It's made possible this week by our sponsors, FitBod, Squarespace, and Capital One. My name is Stephen Hackett, and I have the pleasure of introducing Mr. Mike Hurley. It is a pleasure of being introduced by Mr. Stephen Hackett, and I have the pleasure of introducing Federico Vici. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, he messed it up, didn't he? <laughs> Hello, Federico Djidjevic. Welcome to the episode. Ciao, Mike. I'm so sorry. I'm working at like 60% capacity today. Why? So, I don't feel very well. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Dun, dun, dun. Is it the Rona? <laughs> I'll find out this evening when I take a lateral flow test. Oh, no. But my I have declined significantly throughout the course of the day. So, oh, find out next time. <laughs> declined is not a good word when it comes to your health. Yeah, the- it's true though. Like I started off the day fine, and as the day has gone on, I feel worse and worse. I've had migraines. I'm a little short of breath at times. You know, it's not mm. great. Over it, guys. Yeah, you got I'm, it. I'm not gonna. You don't know I got it. I could have lots of things. You know. We'll find we'll find out, you know, like follow up. Maybe by the time this episode is posted, uh, we can we can let the world know if I have coronavirus or not. <laughs> what if we build one of those websites? It's like a does Mike have COVID? Uh huh. It's just a giant yes or a giant no in the middle of it. I mean, but that would assume that I am always in a situation where this is like, like this likely for me. You know, I guess that's true for everybody, huh? Have you tried the nasal spray? No, that thing went in the trash, man. <laughs> Do you know, underscore, the best person in the world. This, like, I'm going to talk about Woody Smith later on. Dave sent me a text, like, last Thursday morning, and he's like, are you okay? You sounded like you really messed yourself up. The only person to ask me, you know. <laughs> this is why I love Dave. He's so hot. He's just such a big heart. He's like, you sounded like you really messed yourself up on Connected last week. Are you doing okay? Uh, yeah, man, I'm fine. I'm fine. Well, I thought it was all for the show. Like, you were actually sick? Oh, I, well, I wasn't sick. I just didn't feel great after spraying really? the old nasal spray out my nose. Yeah. I thought it was just... I, I thought you were in character at the time. Well, I mean, I had a headache. I mean, I <laughs> have a headache a lot after this show because we scream so much, you know? Right, um, right, right. But it was definitely yeah. made worse by the nasal spray. I've made a page at 512pixels.net slash does Mike have COVID. Okay. This is... Right now it unknown. says unknown. <laughs> I'm going to say this is this is cyberbullying. No, it's not. It, yes, is, it is a type of cyberbullying. <laughs> Yeah, in the modern age, for did sure. You not, did you not apply any CSS to this website? No. no. <laughs> Why? It's a one-word HTML file. My my coronavirus potentiality is not good enough CSS for you. Yeah, it's a lot of a lot of stuff going on. That has to be like think of like saying this sentence three years ago. <laughs> my coronavirus <laughs> possibility is not good enough for CSS yeah. for you. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I mean, as well, like two years ago, that would have been it would have been a much scarier question than today, right? Thank you, vaccines and modern science. Yeah, that's true. I had to do it quickly. All right, let's okay. do some follow up. Shall we? Uh, so Lachlan sent in uh, a paragraph from Apple's environmental progress report. This is about their self service repair program. It says, quote, we also announced self-service repair coming later this year for iPhone 12 and iPhone 13 
for customers who are comfortable complete, completing their own repairs. The program will start in the US and offer access to genuine Apple parts and tools, as well as a repair manual for the most common repairs. We'll be expanding the program to more products, starting with Mac computers. Uh, featuring M1 chips and additional countries throughout 2022. Following a repair, customers who send in their used parts for recycling will receive credit back from their purchase. This was originally started as happening in early 2022. It's now, uh, what month is it? April. And it's coming later this year. Also, we've other uh, countries later this year. So busy year for the uh, self-service repair program that has yet to launch. But starting in the US doesn't usually inspire a ton of confidence to us European users. But they do say, like, other countries, which I don't know how they're going to do all of this. I, honestly, this sounds like a very busy schedule, especially if later in the year they also have this massive rollout of multiple new Mac computers and new iPad Pros, iPhones. Mac computers. iPhones, iPads, the new Apple Watch with a new version, and also the, the this new, what's it called? SSP, self-service repair. I mean, we'll see, right? Uh, Steven, are you going to... You're gonna do something with this, right? You're gonna. Oh, you know, definitely. You are a handy person. Oh, I still plan on 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 replacing the screen on my iPhone. Right, you can do yeah. that. Uh huh. Well, you could use uh, Big Apple Buddy to to get the parts from the US, even if you live in the UK. I have my own Big Apple Buddies. What's your Big Apple Buddy? Stephen John and John. Hmm. Oh, John. Steven. Yeah. Can I? Is it okay for me to use John? I feel like you know, is he not exclusive <laughs> to you? No, no, no. You can use John. Anyone can use John. Anyone, you say? Well, provided I make an intro. You know, it's uh, like well, it's one of those type of services. This is uncomfortable. I make an intro, and then you can use John services. You know, D Cookie in the Discord has provided me with some inline styling for the Mike COVID page. Okay. So if you refresh now, it's all centered and stuff. So this is now a thing that we have just accepted, the Mike COVID page. Steven, how bad are you going to feel if you have to change that to yes? I'm, g- I'm going to feel pretty bad. Yeah, because you did this, you know? No, I mean, technically, I didn't. No, technically, you did create this website. Yeah, but I, didn't, yeah, but I mean, you know. You created the website. It's, a, it's, it's now a communal effort. No. It's me, it's D-Cookie, and it's pandemic all working together. In general, in general, COVID is a communal effort. (laughs) Both good and bad. That's true. It's always a communal effort. That's true. Uh, I have important follow-up about my desk from many real users, you know? Oh, here we go, Federico. All right, here we go. Yeah, yeah. The, The disorganized people have chimed in. Okay. This comes from Illustro. Mike's... Mike's daisy chain power strips aren't fire hazards. UK-style plugs have fuses in them, even on power strips, unlike American ones. Those fuses provide appliance-side protection and stop the cables from drawing too much current, preventing fires. Yeah, you know what what a... also sent in a technology connections video on this very subject. Nobody is going to uh, argue with technology connections. So you can argue with me. You know what fuses can't stop, though? Ugliness. Well, so on that note, Keegan sent in an incredible tweet thread of biz- of messy desks, people with messy desks, or, you know, maybe genius artists, visionaries, like the first one being 
Steve Jobs. You can take a look at his messy desk there. So you are comparing yourself to Steve Jobs? Yes. Okay, we have reached that point. Okay. I mean, it felt like an inevitability at a certain point. Right, right. But it's now, That it's group of people, right you, Steve Jobs, uh, Walt Disney, I see. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, just this regular I group of people. at the intersection of messiness and podcasting. Right, which is basically an intersection with just you that you mm-hmm. have invented. Uh, you just you standing there at the okay. intersection. Okay, messiness and genius, which is all of these people here uh, along wow. with me. My favorite, my favorite thing about this thread is the tiny model of the Power Mac G5 that's on Steve's desk. Yeah, what is that? I assume it's just some sort of like internal, like this is what this is going to look like, and he liked it and just put it on his desk. I think it's great. I really want one. Wait, did Steven? Did Steve? Jobs had a Genelec amp? Yeah. Whoa, okay. Is that big money? Nice taste. Nice, yeah. <laughs> nice tasting music. No, but he got rid of all of that when he created the iPod Hi-Fi, remember? Right. He said, I threw away all of my audiophile gear. Yeah, sacrificed the gen- sacrificed the Genelec. He just he took an axe to it. <laughs> Bang, I'm done with this now. That's a 30-inch cinema display. That's the big boy. Yeah, look at look how incredible this desk is. See, this is the desk of somebody that is too busy to think about like oh, my cable management. Oh. Oh, my cable. But you seem to associate being busy with being good. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Busyness is the source of goodness. Can I just say that that uh, you know you, you know you guys know how I feel about platitudes, right? Yeah. This is a this is well worn here, well tried. Yeah. You 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 like using them in as many podcasts as possible. I it upsets me so much that they came up with that intersection of something and something phrase mm-hmm. because it is used so much the intersection of blah, 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 and blah, 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 right? Apple's technology and liberal liberal arts, right? So many people use it and it drives me mad. Like, you don't, not everyone has to do a thing because Apple did it, you know? You know, all have to say, oh, I'm at the intersection of this and this. No, you just leave it, leave it alone. And that's know? how you feel about platitudes. That's how I feel about that specific thing, yeah. Right, right. What are you two at the intersection of? Uh, me, I mean, at the intersection of... um Pokemon and mm-hmm. tattoos. I feel like that's my niche. <laughs> I was going to say tattoos and automation. My brother my brother uh, has a Pokemon tattoo. Federico, could I tell you that? I am planning my next tattoo that is going to involve like a Pokemon aspect. Yes. Yes. I love it. I'm going to I'm going to show you the the sketch in private uh, because I still got to make an appointment and everything, but I have the idea. I just got to it's gonna make it. I'm excited happen. about this, Stephen. What are you at the intersection of? Old computers and dad energy. Yep, big dad energy. Okay, so all this to say, uh, the people told you. Some people told you that you were right, and mm-hmm. therefore you wanted us to know mm-hmm. that you feel good about your choices. Yeah. Okay, we respect that. We do not accept them. You know, I've been looking at my desks over the last couple of over the last few days, over the last week, and I'm like. These are good. These are good desks. Uh, as long as it makes you feel good, like it makes you feel good, that's all that matters, right? This episode of Connected is made possible by FitBod. Between balancing work, family, and everything else you have going on in life, it can be hard to keep fitness a priority. What you need is a program that will work for you, not against you. That's why you need FitBod. 
Its algorithm learns about you, your goals, and your training ability, and will craft a personalized exercise plan that's unique to you. Their app makes it incredibly easy to learn uh, exactly how to perform each exercise. They have these videos in there, so if you're not familiar with what the movement's supposed to be, you can see it from multiple angles, and it repeats on a loop, so you can kind of watch it as you as you learn. I really like that. Personal fitness is not about competing with other people. You don't want to look to others and try to stack up against them or just copy what they're doing. You need something that will work for you, and that's when it sticks, and that's when you'll see the results you're looking for. FitBod uses data to create and adjust your dynamic fitness plan, and you'll have instant access to your own personalized routine and their fantastic app, so you can make progress on your goals from anywhere. True story, hand on my heart. Right before we sat down to record this episode, I did a workout with FitBod. I use it several times a week. FitBod really makes it easy to... Uh, to grow in your fitness because it keeps up with your reps and your weight and you can make adjustments and it asks you, was that easy? Do you think you could go further? And over time, it learns all that stuff and makes your workouts tailored to where you are and where you want to go. Everyone's fitness path is different, which is why FitBod does so much work to make sure they customize things exactly to suit you. They make sure to learn from your last workout so your next will be even better, whether you're working out twice a day or twice a week. FitBot even tracks your muscle recovery to make sure your plan is balanced with a variety of exercises to make sure you're not overworking anything. The app is simple to use, and it recently got updated with a fantastic new design. Like I said, it's got those video tutorials in there, and of course it integrates with your Apple Watch, Wear OS smartwatch, and apps like Strava, Fitbit, and Apple Health. Personalized training can be expensive, but FitBot is just $12.99 a month or $79.99 a year. But you can get 25% off your membership by signing up at fitbod.me slash connected. So go there now and get your customized fitness plan. That's F-I-T-B-O-D, fitbod.me slash connected, and you'll get 25% off your membership. Our thanks to FitBod for their support of the show and Relay FM. So I have a, a small topic that I put in the notes now, and I'm seeing an unintentional through line oh no uh through the rest of the episode so i have 5g now that's the covid <laughs> this, is a, this is a genine this is a, this is a genuine thing that, yeah, you do <laughs> that, I, that i have done yeah well <laughs> no, well are you surprised i'm sure you do have 5g now buddy no i've I, i've renewed my phone contract because i kept going over my data cap and I was like, oh, I guess I should just get more data. And then when I looked at all of the deals, basically I could get unlimited data with a f now for the less price than I was paying for my 12 gigabytes of data a month before. But now everything's 5G, right? So I now have 5G. I wasn't holding off for it. I just didn't care. Um, and I ended up getting a plan. I paid for a plan to keep all of my like usage the same when I travel because that was another thing. Another reason I didn't want to change my plan was that you know now that the United Kingdom has left the European Union, a lot of phone companies are trying to charge you for roaming in the EU again. Lame. And my plan was grandfathered in so that I wouldn't do that. But now this new plan that I've got has an extra like little thing, like a benefit of that you get to use your minutes and data the same no matter where you are. So I have 5G now. So... Mostly it's the same, and at one point I had 300 megabits down when I was on a train. It's like, 
amazing. I don't care about the 5G at all. I just wanted the unlimited data. And it is weird to me how, why now that we can more quickly use more data has unlimited data plans come back like unlimited data plans were not a thing in the uk for years same here And now we have 5g now you can get unlimited data again and i don't really understand why that's the case i think it's a way to, to charge you more <laughs> and so they could pay for all this i'm paying less now than i was before <laughs> but i'm on a two-year contract now so there it is know. right yeah yeah i mean it was very similar here in the u.s where like in the early days of the iphone you could have unlimited data and then mm-hmm. when tethering, at least how it was here, if I remember correctly, once like hotspot and tethering stuff came to iOS natively, like remember that was a jailbreak. That was why I ran yeah. a jailbreak for years. <laughs> and it then they're like, well, you can have unlimited data or you can go to a tiered data system and then you get tethering. So that was like getting people off unlimited data. But you're right. Now it's back. That's what we're on. We've got an unlimited data plan with uh two iphones and an ipad on it and 5g baby so is it has it revolutionized your life are you making breakthroughs in healthcare and industry oh yeah like with zero latency too you know what i mean that's Mm. that's the real benefit there's all these ads in the uk uh by ee which is like one of our bigger carriers and they're like we set up a air traffic control room in this house and landed a plane it's like i this doesn't mean anything right like i don't understand why this is a thing like what is the benefit to me with that like so i can land a plane from my bedroom like you you got to, you can you got it man i guess so right i guess i should get on that aspirational you know aspirational plane landing from home that's a really good point yeah that's a good point so yeah i have 5g now I wasn't like a particular holdout, but now I have 5G. You both have 5G, right? Yep, I do. But I mean, it's Federica, not, I mean, it's, we don't have the real stuff, though, do we? Oh, no, we don't have millimeter of wave. Yeah. Uh, we but have so few cities in the U.S. have it anyway. Yeah. Mike, I was curious if you've noticed any impact on battery life, moving, like having that on and, and working. Huh. I, I can't say I have uh, yet. But I am, it was something that was in my mind. Like, I'm always talking about the excellent battery life I get on my iPhone, right? And I was wondering if that's the case. But I do wonder if, like, that might be a millimeter wave thing more than a uh, a regular 5G. I don't know. I will keep my eye on that, though. I, I don't think I've had enough uh, real-world testing of it. I've only been uh, in the glory of 5G for, like, five days. The, the, the one thing I think it's nice about 5G is how Apple now lets you do more things on iOS with cellular data. Like if you have 5G, you now have fewer restrictions in terms of doing things like downloading heavy uh, games and apps from the App Store or installing software updates, like that kind of stuff. Because of 5G, you can now do it on iOS. And it's almost like it it it, it kind of makes me laugh because for years I've had an unlimited 4G data plan because in Europe, uh, compared to the US, it's so cheap these days to get unlimited data plans uh, for relatively cheap. Like I pay 20 euros or something and I have unlimited 5G, which is wild. Yeah, I pay like 30 pounds and have unlimited 5G. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. which whenever I, I show my screenshots of my data plan to John, it's like I'm very jealous of this. But for years, I've been able to do... How often do you do that? Uh, occasionally to make him feel bad. No, ah, fair enough. Good, 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 good. 
like for years I've had the freedom to do this but it was only because of 5G that Apple was finally convinced that it was the time to allow for more cellular operations on, I- on iPhone and iPad which I mean sure okay do, do what you want but so the, at least that that aspect of 5G is nice everything else yeah, you know sometimes I get the really really fast speed like 400 megabit down or whatever but it doesn't really matter you know, I, I can't really tell the difference when I have 4G at 150 megabit down or 5G at 400. I mean, sure, it's fast, but like 4K videos on YouTube load at the same speed and it doesn't really matter. So all the stuff that I would want to access on my iPhone, like just on my iPhone when I'm not on Wi-Fi, LTE was fast enough like to download whatever I needed to download, whatever, you know, Um but like and I've and now like I've noticed like things I hadn't really paid much attention to before I guess because in the five G but there's like all these things in iOS right where you can be like oh if you want to just download the software update over five G instead of Wi Fi or whatever which is intriguing to me. I don't think I told y'all I was I had a kid at a dentist appointment or something and the iOS beta dropped that had the face ID mask unlock. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, I think we were like texting about it. I was like, oh, cool. You know, I'll download this when I get home. But then like half an hour later, we were leaving and I got my phone in my pocket and it was super hot and rebooting. I didn't know it would download like the beta update over 5G. It had just done it in my pocket. And I was like, oh, time to restart. Like, Oh, I guess I have this feature now. Yeah, the, I was looking at it the other day. Hold on, let me bring up the settings and I'll tell you what it says. But it's a... Uh you can choose what you want it to do. So data mode, allow more data on 5G, may prefer 5G to Wi-Fi and use it for software updates, automatic iCloud backups and higher quality media. So uh, there was a a bit of news from Apple yesterday. You mentioned, uh, Mike, the repair service thing that had come out in their environmental report. There's also some press around Apple's recycling program. Uh, Sarah Dietschy had a video on her channel where she, where she got to go to a recycling center that Apple operates or is involved with. And Daisy, the phone, the phone taking apart robot, which uh, was, I'm going to quote here, made from some of Liam's parts, which was the original robot. I remember us talking about yeah, it's this. Uh, it's the robot that ate Liam. Daisy ate Liam. Yeah. We, yeah. we had poured one out. Uh, a couple of years ago, I guess in 20, oh, four years ago, in 2018, when this was announced that Daisy was built from Liam's parts. Yeah. Poor Liam. Wasn't, wasn't able to do what Daisy can do. Uh, this can do 200 iPhones an hour per robot. Uh, it's uh, 1.2 million phones a year. But it seems like in watching her video and reading some other stuff that came out yesterday, Apple's not running this program at full speed like they still have capacity to do more even with the current number of of daisy robots they have daisy is bigger than i expected it's like these four massive things sitting sat next to each other right that was what i took from the video like it's not just like one self-contained little thing like it's like a whole process of machines Mm -hmm. but they call it one one unit so you could say it's daisy chained I had a thing I wanted to bring up. I haven't watched this video. 
because like Sarah's talking at the end and was talking about the fact that it does two on it does one point two million phones a year each Daisy machine. It's two hundred iPhones an hour, but apparently that's not running at full tilt. And Apple want more people to use the trade in program so they can recycle more iPhones, right? So, but I feel like if Apple truly, really want this, they need to be more competitive with trade in pricing. Now, this is just mm-hmm. something that I've been aware of myself when it comes to selling phones or moving phones on. And I never go for Apple because I don't think that they give the best deals. It's too cheap. Yeah. They don't so give today, money. I sat down and looked at this a little bit. So I'll give you some examples. Uh, on Apple's website in the UK, you they say they would give up to £490 for an iPhone 12 Pro Max. So I'm assuming that is a top-of-the-line storage iPhone in perfect condition, or good enough to perfect condition, right, if they're going to say to give up to. Uh, the same specification on a UK phone trading website called Mazuma, which I've used a bunch, you will get £595 cash. Damn, okay. Apple's 490 is credit on the Apple Store. Mm, Yeah, that's not good. If you want to buy a new phone from Mazuma, they will give you £654 of credit. Ooh. So that's £654 compared to £490 in credit. Why Uh, would you choose Apple? (laughs) Exactly. And I looked around a little bit more. £365 for an iPhone 12 versus £415 cash or £456 in credit. We're using the same thing. It can it gets more competitive as devices get older, but in everything I was checking, Apple never exceeds the credit amount. They will only seem to exceed the cash amount. Where I would say most people probably would prefer cash. Because like depending on where you are in the process. I don't know. Or maybe, you know, like because it feels like Apple is able to pay less because people were buying the phones on their website and they just want the money off now so they can buy the phone, right? So they, they, they get to pay credit only and less. So I feel like if Apple truly wants to get people to recycle their iPhones with them, they should be paying the most money. Like they should be outpaying everyone because it benefits them. They get parts that they can recycle for their own iPhones and or if an iPhone is in good enough condition, just sell it on their refurb site, which I'm sure is one of the higher, the best places to get refurbs. And I know it's more expensive than everywhere else. So like, I feel like Apple should be the logical choice for iPhone trade-in, but they're not. And I don't know why. And I can only feel like when I look at something like this, the only thing I can take away is it's money, isn't it? They want more money. And and that annoys me because it's like this side of the company will tell you you should be recycling. But then the other will say, yeah, yeah, but we're not going to give you the best deal, though, because we would like more money. So that that's my 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 thought on this process, which I, I do find it a little bit disingenuous. Yeah, it's also something that I've noticed in, in Italy. The trading prices from Apple are way too low, and that's why... Um, it's often like what I personally do and what my friends do. First, you try to sell your old um, iPhones or AirPods or iPads in your n- personal network of friends. And they're never going to beat private sale, right? Like, And they never should attempt to try and beat private sale prices. 
because that's like a whole different thing. Right. But right. then, even if you don't do the private sale, there's other websites that you can use. Uh, and I'm not talking about eBay, but there's tons of other websites that you can use for third-party trading, like you just mentioned. And the same happens here in Italy as well. It's just not a convenient option to, to trading with Apple. So that whole recycling um, you know, policy that they have and this message that they want to get across, I appreciate it. I think it's an important thing that they are doing. But practically speaking, at least based on the people I know and that I see, and judging from this conversation, it seems that the same is happening in the UK. People are just not doing it because mm-hmm. they want a bit of extra money, if possible. Yeah. So Why would you, right? Why would you do it? I mean, sure, you would do it because it's good for the environment. But, you know, when we're talking about cash, it's also cash. And you got to entice people somehow, you know. But, like, when you use these companies, it's still being recycled. Okay, like, so that's It's good. being sold to yeah. someone else, right? Like, yeah, it's, so it's, it's reused. And Apple have that choice. When you trade in, they can either, if it's in good enough condition... They're not going to recycle it. They're going to refurb and sell it, right? Or they can recycle it. So I just, you know, if entire companies can be created and make money buying these phones from you that, like, for a higher price than Apple, I don't understand why Apple can't be more competitive. Mm-hmm. Like, £490 for an iPhone 12 Pro Max, like, at the one terabyte spec is a ridiculous price, right? Like, that is ridiculous to offer that compared to the 595 cash or 654 credit that... And I just looked at one of these services. I'm convinced that, you know, any half-decent service will give you more money than Apple. And I just don't... I, I can't get my head around why that's the case. Like, that this just doesn't compute for me. Like, they should be able to be much more competitive than they are. How cool would it be to go see that robot, though? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it would be pretty sweet. Sarah did a great video. She's a great person for some for a content like this. In the in the wrong hands, that's a really boring video, but she made a very engaging video. This episode of Connected is made possible by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform to build your brand and grow your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything, products, services, and even content. Squarespace has you covered for all of it. With Squarespace, you can use insights to grow your business. If you've ever wondered where your site visitors and sales are coming from and which channels are the most effective, you can analyze all of that in Squarespace. Once you have that data, you can improve your website and build a marketing strategy based on things like your top keywords, or the most popular products and content. You can stand out in any inbox with Squarespace email campaigns. Why not encourage your visitors to sign up as email subscribers and start them on the journey to becoming loyal customers? You start with an email template and customize it by applying your brand ingredients like site colors and logo, plus built-in analytics measure the impact of every message sent. The other day I needed to build a single page thing for somebody. It's a nonprofit and they're doing this like pretty cool fundraiser and they just want to send people right to that page so it's like a single page with some information about the fundraiser and then uh, Squarespace has this really cool feature called the donate block and you can set that up you can have suggested amounts so say that you want people to donate ten dollars twenty dollars thirty dollars or fifty you can customize all of that 
And on the back end, each of those donation blocks has its own name. And so when you look at your donation report, you can see what money is flowing where and to what campaign or what project that money should go to. It's all built in. You're not having to put things together from like different components. Squarespace just has all of it in one place. Head on over to squarespace.com connected for a free trial with no credit card required. When you're ready to launch, use the offer code CONNECTED to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com connected and the code CONNECTED to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for the show. Our thanks to Squarespace for the support of Connected and Relay FM. All right, we, we can just blame that I'm feeling a little under the weather today that I'm bringing a selection of gripes to this episode. All right. My second gripe is that Twitter NFT spam is out of control. Oh, we're talking about NFTs. I love it. Okay. Have you guys been getting these? Every day no. I get yeah. a handful of accounts tagging me. Not really. Oh, my God. This is happening to me constantly. Oh, just just check you... my Twitter replies and you'll see uh, it. Like, oh, okay. Like I'm blocking these accounts cause, and reporting them, but every day it's... I get a handful of accounts I'm that like... do not follow me. And they you... randomly tag me to, I don't know, try and spread the word about some stupid NFT project or they're like trying to win an NFT giveaway or whatever. Like it's some growth hacking nonsense. Like, and it's driving me crazy. Like this is the kind of, like I have two mm. parts here. Like one, this is the kind of stuff that will only continue to turn people off of this whole idea, right? Like that if there's any good to the idea of NFTs, these like, things that just make it seem more like scams and cash grabs. It's just going to just continue to change people's opinions on them. Uh, and I just think Twitter should be resolving this. Like, it's so clearly spam. I think I saw someone say that, like, the easier way to fix this is just tweets that all they do is just tag other people with nothing else should just not be sent. It should be immediately flagged as spam. And, like, cause why else? Why would you need to do this, right? Do you just send a tweet to someone, you say nothing except tag six handles in them. Like, what use is that to anyone? That's just spam under any sense. And like, it reminds me that you can say, oh, you shouldn't make such blanket like statements like that if you're Twitter, like, oh, there could be general uses. But we all remember when Twitter disabled sending links in DMs for years because mm-hmm. they couldn't get their stuff together. So I think they should do this too. Yeah, it's, it's, did, did you see any of these, Federico, when you were looking? I get the people with a ETH in their username, and I always assume they're spammers. But like, did you? Did you? I guess not. Did you search my replies? Yeah, I did. I see Tasty Bones NFT yeah, is man. an account that mentioned you. Um, Tasty Bones, great name. I get, I get these every day. Mostly when I wake up in the morning, I block like three Twitter accounts. Like. Well, you must have fallen prey to some crypto marketing scheme. As if my email spam that I get all the time wasn't bad enough. Now I've been locked up into some crypto. Yeah, I have a great suggestion for someone you could put on your show. They wrote this book. Oh, and I think it'd be a really good fit for your show, Analog. Don't you want to talk to the CEO of our company about how the blockchain is the future of podcasting? So uh, I'm referring a conversation I had in, in Cortex. You can go check it out if you want to. Do you know someone e- someone sent me an email yeah. like to say about that episode? I have, like I'm a PR person for an expert on email who can help you with this. <laughs> it's just like, I don't, 
<laughs> I don't even understand what's going an, on. An email expert. No, hold on. An email expert. To help me an, with the problem. Has and they an should agent? come on the show to talk about it. But an email expert as a PR... So, like, a PR person contacted me to be like, you know, like, these things that I talk about them. Hey, you should have this person on your show. Right, and right. And it was, like, to talk about your email problem and to help you with that. No, I'm wow. just thinking about I'm just thinking about the structure, like, the yeah. success that you must have had as an email expert to be represented by a PR firm contacting podcasts on your behalf. I mean, these persons must be pretty legit, Mike. I mean, do you have a PR person? Sending email emails on your behalf. Do you know what? I don't actually. That's a really good point. I should do that. You could be you could be a, a keyboard consultant with mm-hmm. a PR person who reaches out to other podcasts and be like, "Hey, do you want to talk to this keyboard expert?" I'm just bringing all the grabs today. Do you think that this problem of NFT garbage on Twitter will get better or worse when Elon owns it? I don't think it will make a difference. It'll get worse regardless. I mean, it's pretty gross already yeah. when you go to your profile page and you get this huge pop-up in your face saying, oh, now you can have hexagonal profile pictures with NFTs. And I'm like, please remove this from my eyes and don't make me see this ever again. Uh, James says that Federico is now your PR person. Look, I'll do it. I will send one email on your behalf. Okay. So choose your target carefully. <laughs> and I will send an email as okay. your PR handler saying, I represent Mr. Mike Hurley, okay. a UK-based keyboard manufacturing expert. I'm not, I'm not a keyboard manufacturing expert. Well, we got we to gotta, we gotta upsell you somehow, right? That's the trick. Oh. Now, I can put together a nice bio, say that you have multiple connections in the supply chain for keyboard manufacturing, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, not none of it has to be true. I've just got. To, I'm not dreaming big enough. You just I? gotta make it sound true. Yeah, you gotta fake it till you make it, and that's how we put you on a podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, as if that was needed for you, but still. <laughs> you know, while we're talking about Twitter and Elon, I don't want to talk about Elon owning Twitter, but I do, in general, agree with the idea that Twitter should become a private company again. Just like in general, I think that this they cannot run themselves in the way that they are like i think that has been proven over time just like as a business they have never seemingly been able to keep their stuff together for long enough and i think having shareholders and being like a publicly traded company i just think is a distraction that they don't need like they need to get rid of ads right and just charge everyone to use it like 10 bucks a year and then just focus on that like i just they they are just a company that just cannot seem to truly do anything right for really that long. And I, and I know that they have a ton of like really talented people there, like engineers and stuff. Like I know people that work there. The problem is their leadership. Like yep. they just can't seem to be able to do anything. You know, like a, and a lot of people have been pointing this out recently because of everything that's going on. Like nobody on Twitter's board tweets. Like all the board members, they, they don't care about the platform at all. They just want it to be something it's never going to be. Like, and I just, I I hope that this whole thing leads to them just becoming a private company in some way with good leadership and they can try and get their stuff sorted out because on their current trajectory, like, it's just bad. That's my opinion on the matter. Would you like to uh, be placed on a podcast to talk about this? Uh, Federico has a lot of experience in the game that's done. Yeah, I would love to. If, you, okay. if someone could get me... 
uh, on some kind of... Uh, I can get you on one of those business podcasts. Yeah, someone needs to get me on a business podcast. I have that friend of mine running the international business podcast. <laughs> I feel like this is a reference to something and I and I cannot remember it. <laughs> I mentioned this on the show before, how, how this person, uh, I realized, is now running a podcast on LinkedIn and they got in, they got in touch with me a while back. Right. Well, LinkedIn have a podcast network now. Well, I, well, I don't know exactly the technical details, but this person that I know from my teenage, you know, when I was in a band years, um, this person now runs the International Business Podcast. That's the name. And it's a, one of those podcasts that, you know, a ton of people on LinkedIn seem to engage with, as they say. And they have guests on the show to talk about business, you know, projects and companies and equity and whatever. Is it is this person's name Leonardo? Yes. Yeah, I found it. Yeah, it's the International Business Podcast. Do I can you get want you. to be a great international leader? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I do. do. Do you? Do you want to be a, a leader, Mike? It's based in Shanghai. Yeah, yeah, he lives expecting. there now. He lives there now. Oh. Actually, it was it was very nice recently when uh, um, he sent me a DM because we actually keep in touch. He's actually a great guy, um, but I just find the name funny. But he's actually a great person, uh, and he sent me a DM like uh, my. It's like, hey, teaching my boss today showed me this, um, like, open the the uh, the Mac App Store on our computers, and he's like, uh -huh. hey, do you know this guy from Italy? And it was my interview on, on, on the App Store, you know, that that's I did fun. for Apple. And yeah. I was like, oh, man, that's... In and, and it was translated, it was like localized in Chinese. Um, oh. because Yeah, they localized the interview for a bunch of international markets, which is why I got like a second wave of comments from my friends, like from Italy, from Spain, and this guy from China, because it was later localized in different regions. And that was cool. Uh, but anyway... All this to say, you could be on one of these business podcasts. Yeah, I feel like I would get lost, though. Like, uh, you know, in this environment, I'd say whatever I want, you know what I mean? And it doesn't really matter if I'm right or wrong, because it's just, this is our show. But if I take this to somewhere else, and they're like, so what do you think the average revenue per user should be? You know what I mean? They ask me a question like that. And I'm going to be like, uh, seven? <laughs> I, th I just think seven. Just Why? No, the perfect reply to that is like, I'll tell you what, John, it's not high enough. That's a perfect <laughs> answer. <laughs> oh, Federico, you could go on CNBC with stuff like that, man. You're ready to go. Mr. Vitici, you know, he's back again. I can wing anything. You know, you just say what they want to hear. Right. I'll That's the trick. I'll tell you what, it's not enough. <laughs> I think all shareholders can agree that currently the average revenue per user is on a decline. It's not they're not thinking big enough. And they're not that's reaching one of the greatest their true potential. That Twitter is facing. They're not thinking big enough. I'll tell you that, John. That's how you do it. And you say their first name. So you you, you sound more approachable and friendly to the I'll host. Tell you that, John. That's how you do it. I got a lot to learn from you, Federico. You really should be my PR manager. <laughs> <laughs> I have a way with people. People like me, or so I hear. Man, man of the people. Uh, exactly. Thank you, Stephen. You're uh, welcome. Anyway, sh question: Should Relay be a public company? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. <Just laughs> the asking. answer to that is no. <laughs> no. The okay. only answer to that being yes is if it like means that we can just make a truckload of money and then go away. You know, that's like an exit. That's what they call it, right, in the business. 
Let me tell you that, Federica. What What's your exit strategy? I was thinking about a nap this afternoon. Wait, so you're going to exit via a nap? Oh, Stephen, no, don't go into the light. <laughs> you know? Stay with me, buddy. So I had this thought last night. I was watching, no spoilers, don't worry about it, but I was watching the Severance finale. Anyway, I had this thought. Isn't going to sleep kind of like a severed severance procedure? If you think about it, you know? Do you remember that video Gray made? Yes, yes. I've been thinking of that video throughout the entire season of Severance. Yeah, I, that's interesting. What, what was, what's the video? It's like... Uh, two, you, two, you were uh, two? You are, you are two, yeah. You are two. Ooh, creepy. It's very upsetting. Yeah, it was a, one of his best videos. Is that the one with the Star Trek? Is Star Trek in that one? No, that's the trans- transporter Porter thing. Yeah. No, you are too. It's about the, the left and right. What are they called? The hemispheres of the brain, whatever? No, I'm, yeah, yeah. That's that one, but I'm not thinking about that one. There's a video that he made about when you go to sleep. Yeah, he. Well, I think that's in the transporter video. Okay. Oh, that's the, that's the one I'm thinking one, yeah. of. Like that when if when you go to sleep, you're the same person as when you wake up. Yeah. Are you? I don't know. I, uh, I mean, how would I know? Yeah, exactly. Anyway, yeah, go watch Severance. Great show. Um, what are we talking about? Like, what is the topic? Right. We were now? talking about uh, Twitter having NFT spam. Right, right, right. Okay. So, we're sorry you have spam. Let's talk about Widgetsmith. Oh yeah, this is a good. This is a good thing. This doesn't. You can me. now have NFTs in your widget. No, I was kidding. Oh my god, can you imagine? Like, I know Dave is more mainstream now. Can you imagine? It's like introducing NFT Smith. <laughs> <laughs> of all the people I know, underscore would be the least likely, right? Like, I feel like I would be the most surprised yeah. uh, underscore if David coin. woke up one day. Oh my god, underscoring. Underscore. Underscoring. <laughs> underscoring. How would you like to be on a podcast about your new cryptocurrency? I like hey Dave, if you start a cryptocurrency, you can come on the show and talk about it. You're the one Should we person. do a cryptocurrency scam? Like should we be scammers? Not on the air. Like is that something that we should try? It is so funny that like do you remember when NFTs were first a thing? Yeah. And I was going to make one of the clip of steven saying it's stupid mm-hmm. and i just got i just got annoyed of how complicated it was and just didn't do it in the end and i'm so pleased that i didn't do that you know because now that would just be tied to me forever and steven but anyway so widgetsmith added uh, a couple of different widget types one is an on this day photo widget and then there's one it's kind of split into two which is air quality and pollen count widgets uh, and I've added one of these. I've added a photo one and the pollen one uh, to my home screen. And I just think that they're excellent additions to Widgetsmith. Yeah. I, I love the on this day feature in day one. And that's a widget that I have set up on my phone. But that requires that I put something in day one. And what's sure. cool about this Widgetsmith feature is it just uses anything in your photo library. And when you tap on it, it comes up with this really cool UI that shows you the date. So like it's, it says 420 at the top, blaze it. And then you can scroll uh, back through the years and see all, you know, see all of your photos for that given day. It's such a smart user interface for this. And 
I, I don't use a, a lot of photo widgets through Widgetsmith because they can't open in the Photos app, which is generally what I want it to do. But this one, like he's built this view that I don't care. Like I, I love seeing the, okay, this is 420 on 2021 and 2020 and 2019 and scroll all the way back. It's really well done. So I'll give you a little, uh, David did actually add a feature, um, which I don't really think he spoke about very much. Or at least I missed it. I know this because he showed me. So now if you um, if you have a widget that say pulling images from an album or something, when you tap on that widget, it brings up a view that then shows chronologically from newest to oldest all of the photos that widget has shown you. That's cool. So like so the, he's made this stuff a little bit and he jumps straight into it, right? So if like you're like, oh, I, I thought I saw a, a photo there a minute ago and it changed and I went to see it. You can now tap it and you can see like these are all the ones you've been shown. But like what I like also about this is this widget in Widgetsmith works more like how I want the widget that Apple makes to work. But we spoke about in the past that now sometimes it opens a video instead, which is not what I want, right? <laughs> Did you see how one of my memories last night, it said dining and it was the picture of an eyeball? <laughs> it was a picture of an eye, yeah. <laughs> mm, feasting on those <laughs> eyeballs. Tasty, Feast yeah. your eyes, Federico. Oh. Yeah, literally. Oh, yeah. Yes. Feast your eyes on this. Yeah, It happened to me just the other night. I was on my phone and a photo came up. I was like, oh, I want to show this to Mary. And I tapped it and all of a sudden like country music is playing out of my phone to pictures of my daughter it's like why Take why is it home. still a stupid slideshow country <laughs> roads <laughs> to the, pl- the is place. it always country music for you steven <laughs> it's even country music or blues this is still whatever it is west virginia i don't know the lyrics anymore i'm sorry so yeah i like these the pollen and air quality ones i don't use the air quality one i use the pollen one and i didn't know uh that there were different types of pollen tree pollen uh what is it? Tree pollen, flower pollen, and oh, it's tree, grass, and weeds. Blaze it! Oh, nice. Yeah. I see what I nice. see what you did there. Nice. Underscore. Uh, <laughs> no, he didn't do that. Uh, so yeah, and now <laughs> so now I know when there's high pollen count days, which is helpful for me this time of year to know if there's a, a high pollen count. Um, but I would say like my my top tip is uh, if you're walking through somewhere and it's high pollen count, put your mask on for covid and it helped me so much last summer like you're not breathing in the, the pollen i mean i wear glasses too which also helps with the eyes but you know no it's a great update he continues to do such a good job at adding adding new features to this i would have run out mm-hmm. of ideas years ago but he keeps he yeah. keeps finding ways to, to add like really valuable new features to this app well hey look if there's one thing we've known about underscore over the time we've known him is the man always has ideas it's true. Right? He is an ideas person, but now all of those ideas are just in which are just in Widgetsmith. Yeah. It's not like he stands at the corner of the intersection of ideas Wid- and widgets. And widgets. Yeah. 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 That is very true, actually. He does stand at that exact intersection. People are still into widgets, right? Like regular people. I am. I, yeah. Oh. Well, I'm, I mean, you're I, not a regular person. I, I am a regular person. No, we talked about that, this. Right? I'm the regular person. Uh, but I, I mean, I don't know about regular people. I know I am. I think, you know, I always look at phones of either my friends or like, sometimes I peek, right? I'm, I'm a peeker. 
<laughs> right? I, I peek at other people's phones, like, <laughs> I don't know, like a, at a bar, like a restaurant or something. Mm-hmm. I just, especially when they have an iPhone, because I want to I wanna be in touch with the world, you know, with the people. And I still see the custom home screens with, like, the widgets with the same color of the wallpaper. People having the, you know, like the widgets with the inspiration, inspirational phrases. I have seen Widgetsmith in real life in Italy, which also, it's, I always think it's funny. Like, I know the guy. Um, um, but yeah, it seems that people are still into widgets, despite you know iOS 15 not really building on top of the success of 14. It also reminds me of something that uh, I believe it was also Lachlan from 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 Follow Up, one of our mods in Discord. He from, uh, La- from, from the Follow Up <laughs> Lachlan, they they mentioned how um, it was this really interesting thread that Lachlan posted, like how Apple. Um, commits to features for the next version of iOS um, essentially in the summer when they don't know yet whether a feature of the current version that will ship in September will be successful or not. Meaning, when they locked in the features for iOS 15, they didn't know that iOS 14 widgets were going to be the massive success that they were. Therefore, that's why iOS 15 likely didn't have anything new for widgets, right? That is a fascinating problem to have where you have effectively this one-year delay between shipping a feature and knowing like for real whether you can build additional features on top of it the theory being i guess we're going to see new widget stuff in ios 16 because now apple had the time to realize that oh well i guess we have a massive success on our hands and we got to do new things for it the question is is it still relevant right and i think it is i I think widgets and home screen customization is always relevant to bring them up again i think underscore spoke about this publicly i think under the radar too like what he for him, photo widgets are where the like was what people are using Widgetsmith for by and large. Like they try lots of things potentially, but it's photo stuff that people land on, and that doesn't surprise me. Like I have a bunch of photo widgets now on my iPhone. I have them in stacks, right? They're like coming from different places, maybe different albums or whatever. But like that's a big thing. It does remind me. And long time follow up. I bet the both of you have not ever opened that locket app again, right? No, never. I right, see. Therefore, proving my point of why I didn't want to add the two of you to my group, because then now I've removed the sanctity of the two-way locket sharing with my wife. They did actually set up a thing where you could choose who saw them, but I didn't ever. I don't want to deal with that because. If I have the two of you in then I gotta do like a whole thing and now I don't have to worry about it because it's just me and Nadina sends the pictures back to each other. Well, maybe we uninstalled it because you didn't add right, us. But you had each other and you weren't sending things to each other, were you? That's true. Yeah. Still a fantastic app. It still gets updated. Uh, I added emoji reactions. Locket is great. Like, it's great. Love widgets, man. This episode of Connected is also made possible by Capital One. Have you ever hit a technical snafu while shopping online? Has filling out payment fields given you a headache? Has mobile banking app that you really need to use, has it been down in that in your moment of need? Well, Capital One believes everyone deserves better banking. This means easier access to their money and more security. That's why Capital One is investing in machine learning. 
Machine learning allows Capital One to do cool stuff, like fight fraud with random forest, with models that quickly detect suspicious activity that makes it faster to alert federal investigators. And they identify how mobile app outages happen with causal models. Keeping a mobile app up and running doesn't happen by accident. Anomaly detection and incident response help determine why outages happen so engineers can quickly remedy them. And Capital One is speeding up online shopping with machine learning at the edge. They make shopping with virtual card numbers smoother and more secure. This technology is based on logistic regression models running inference in the browser. It identifies payment fields, which helps making those virtual card numbers easier and faster. The potential of machine learning is so big. See how Capital One is using machine learning to create the future of banking. Search machine learning at Capital One or check out the link in the show notes. Capital One, what's in your wallet? Okay, it is just uh, just a really like, what, six, seven weeks before WBDC. And that means that the, the rumor mill is a churning. And uh, we want to focus today on the possibility of iPad multitasking changes. This is something that Apple does every couple of years. Uh, last year, we really got, I think, what the three of us would agree on as a refinement to what they had uh, before. But there's this uh, Bloomberg article talking about this. And then, uh, Federico, I think you had some some notes on the history of this and then like what you think about some of these ideas that are being floated around. Yeah, uh, I did this uh, thread on Twitter uh, what was it last week or ten days ago? Uh, about the, did you NFT it? Uh, yes, I minted uh, the thread. Mm. Uh, you Minty. can. You did use the little cotton spool emoji, so yeah, yeah. That's how uh, we know it's, it's a uh, real thread. Just, uh, you can get it for one underscoin um, <laughs> on our on our uh, blockchain uh, DAP. That's what they're called. DAO, isn't it? DAO. No, DAO it's is a, a decentralized uh, organization. The DAP is a decentralized app. Um, so oh. we have a DAP. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm look. I'm into this. All right. It's always. Oh, you know, are you? That's good. Well, no, no, no. Look, that's not as good. You heard it here first. Federico is into I li- the blockchain. No, no, no. I no, uh, uh, mm, no. Let me rephrase. I like to know the enemy. That's what I meant. Oh my! All right. I like to be informed. Okay, did you hear that? Hey, everyone on the blockchain, Federico Vatici is your enemy. Yeah, yeah, I don't care. Just, you know, do whatever you want, you know. Block uh, stories. Look, I really think it's it's a silly thing, but I like to know why I think it's a silly thing. I like to be informed. That's, you know, what a regular person should do. Well, don't distract me from <laughs> my <laughs> podcasting process. Okay, so... I had this thread on the history of iPadOS multitasking. Even before it was called iPadOS, it was just iOS. And with version 13, it became iPadOS. And what I realized is that they have this schedule, right? Where every couple of years, they revise what they've done before on the iPad. Um, Starting with, you know, when we got the first version of SplitView that had the weird app picker. Right, remember that when when in iOS uh, nine, nine. Uh, when Split View launched, uh, you could split the screen between two apps 
but there was no drag and drop and there was no dock. You had to swipe in from the right side of the screen and you had that vertical list of like thumbnails with the icons of the apps. That was kind of weird. And then in iOS 11, they introduced the drag and drop system that um, was very heavily criticized at the time. Um, you know, lots of folks stopped using the iPad because of this uh, touch-heavy version of multitasking. And then every couple of years, they've refined the system. In, in iPadOS 13, they introduced multi-window. And then in, in 2020, mid-cycle of the iPadOS 13 um, you know, release, they launched the Magic Keyboard with a pointer, the, like the system-wide pointer with trackpad support. And last year, they refined. They, they didn't really do anything. They refined the system with keyboard shortcuts, the multitasking menu, which is the new tray of icons that you see. You don't have to use drag and drop anymore if you don't want to, but that version of multitasking is still there. And they also introduced a couple of features that I don't think they have really picked up in usage. For sure, like this, the new center windows. Have you guys seen center windows in any third-party iPad application? No, because I haven't. Because it's all. It's honestly, it's a pointless feature. It's yeah. It's I really don't understand why it's there. Like so what? So, yeah, cool. It opens in the middle of the screen. All right. Like what? What is that supposed to do for me? Like realistically, it, nothing. Because that center window, which you can get by say opening an email message from Apple Mail. Apple Mail in a uh, like in a separate window or a note from Apple Notes. That window, it's not like you can drag it to the side or like you know, it's not like free form windowing. It's just there. No, you're best off just using like the 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 compose sheet. Take the full use of that application and then use that application in split view or whatever if you really want to. Like, or just go full screen on that app and just like I don't I don't understand the center window thing. It's not surprising to me that it doesn't seem to have been adopted. And the other one was the shelf, which of course is not the shelf that I wanted to have in iPadOS. The shelf I wanted was more like a clipboard manager of sorts, like a place where you can drag and drop things to store them for later. Instead, Apple's shelf is a window manager, essentially. It's a little tray. It's like a little shelf for your open windows. It's pretty disappointing, and it actually lost functionality from iPadOS 14, uh, which is, uh, used to be that you could undo closing a window. Like if you accidentally closed an app window in iPadOS 14, you could undo that. There was a button that said reopen closed window. The shelf doesn't have that button anymore. So if you accidentally close a window, it is gone forever. So after this brief recap, we are left with this rumor from Mark Gurman uh, at Bloomberg. And Gurman is saying that essentially the iPadOS will get a new app picker. That's all that Gurman knows for now. And uh, we, we did a, a, a thing with the Twitter spaces, like a podcast that is not really a podcast, but it's a Twitter spaces, spaces thing. And Mark said once again, all I know is that the iPad is getting a new app picker. Um, but what would you like to see in iPadOS 16, he asked. And I know, right, like, I can say, before we get into it, that the things I want to see will not happen. And I kind of sort of already know up front that I will be disappointed. Because over the past year, really, 
it's not that I'm being pessimistic. It's not that I'm being down on the iPad. I'm just being realistic, I think. And I feel like, and this feeling has grown stronger, again, over the course of 2021 and 2022, the bold vision that I'd like Apple to take with the iPad is maybe too bold for them to follow. And they are content with leaving the iPad in the middle, between an iPhone, between an I- between a Mac, not as flexible as pro iPad users will want it to be. Right. And if that's true, and I'm still, you know, I will never lose hope. But also, I don't want to believe in the, these things I will mention too much because I don't want to be disappointed again, right? And I've been disappointed many times over the years at WWDC, especially last year. All I'm saying is, I think Apple is seeing the even the iPad Pro, even the device that has Pro in its name, as less Pro than a MacBook Pro. And I guess maybe the answer is that there are multiple shades of Pro, right? Uh, almost as if, oh, you can be a Pro on the iPad, but you can only do so much. Or you can be a Pro on a Mac and you can do all these other things. Which honestly is not a good look, I, I think. Like to say, like... I don't know. At times, I feel like if you want to be a pro on iPad, you are a lesser pro. And that's not nice. I see what you're saying. I can see an argument for like the type of professional that uses each device being different, like as with being an argument. But I would say that like I think iPad OS doesn't actually serve any type of professional fully. No, they do, it does. It Except serves- maybe artists, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Like they, the thing I've learned with 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 Apple and how they pitch iPadOS, because I also see this in how you know in how their PR people talk about it and and explain certain things to you, yeah. in how they always want to highlight. Oh, but we have incredible artists doing work on iPad Pro, and I get it. Like I get it that there's artists and photographers and these very specific professions that you keep mentioning over the years, right? And they're always the same professions over the years that are doing excellent work on the iPad Pro. But my question is, is that it? Like, is that all it can do? I don't think it it is. I don't think it should be. If you ask me, I think iPadOS is the most exciting platform that Apple has. If you were to believe in it as the sort of flexible modular OS that is unlike iOS and it's unlike macOS. So... I I personally feel like something that Mark wrote, German wrote in the Power On newsletter as a follow-up to the Twitter Spaces thing, he mentioned the idea of the iPad Pro almost switching its OS into a Pro mode when you dock the iPad Pro at a desk, maybe with an external display, maybe with an external keyboard and trackpad. Now, Mark is one of the people who believe that iPad should run macOS, and I strongly disagree with that. But the idea of iPadOS doing more to adapt sort of dynamically to the context that you're using the iPad, that is a fascinating idea, and it's exactly what I would like Apple to explore. I've been... You know, I, I know that, Mike, you don't like expressions. You don't like people coming up with their own 
terminology for things. No, it's not what, no, no, I, I, no, I'm fine with some. I don't like when things are overused. That's what I don't like. Well, maybe I overuse it, but I keep using this expression of like the iPad as a modular computer. And if there's a better, no, I like that one. If there's a better way to say it, I will switch to that. But for the sake of the conversation, no, I think it's good. I think it's good. People uh, often, like John Syracuse says, naked robotic core, right? I prefer modular computer. I prefer the Federico Vitici one. Modular computer, I think, is is a nicer sound. Thank you. Um, so I really believe in that. And I really think that is the, th- that concept mm-hmm. is where the vastly underused potential of the iPad lies. I don't think Apple is doing enough when it comes to Embracing the nature of the iPad, meaning this tablet can become other things and I don't think they're doing enough in software to let it become multiple things. Yes, I agree with you so much on this. Like th- this is the like the exact thing, right? Of like what makes the iPad exciting is is just this thing that you can attach other stuff to and it can work differently. But they as you say, they don't go far enough. They don't go far enough. Imagine, this may sound silly, but bear with me. Imagine if Kirby, the Nintendo character, could suck in enemies, but couldn't uh, take on from their abilities. That's what the iPad is. It's a Kirby <laughs> that cannot absorb abilities from enemies. In this case, the enemies will be the accessories. But that's the idea. Wow. It, it, it only goes so far. And it, they give you the bare minimum, right? They gave you the pointer. And sure, you have a system-wide pointer uh, that natively supports iPadOS UI elements, but it doesn't do anything more. Like, you have a pointer, but it's not like the iPad is saying, oh, I see you are at a desk with a trackpad and maybe an external monitor. Well, let me switch up a few things. Now you manage Windows, for example. Uh, I see that you have an external display connected. Let me give you the space to place more Windows on that display, right? And it's that idea that makes me feel so sad. Honestly, I'm not even mad. I'm just, no, I'm not upset. I'm disappointed. <laughs> I'm like the, the parent looking at their child. You know what? I'm just disappointed. And, and in this case, I'm disappointed because I can see the potential. I can see this really beautiful idea of what if the same computer could be many types of computer and they're, they're just not doing it. So let's get down to the specifics. Um, I will point people to this excellent, uh, I think it's a thread now. It's two threads, I think. Two threads. Say, okay, so yeah, from both be in the show notes. Parker Ortolani. Uh, Parker used to work at 9to5Mac, and now I believe uh, they're a producer of Bo- at Vox Media, product manager of Vox Media. Uh, so Parker does some really excellent um, uh, concepts for all kinds of things. Um, uh, I, I, I've always liked Parker's uh, uh, visual concepts or like apps or devices, whatever. And in this case, Parker posted this really incredible iPadOS 16 concepts. And now the thing with concepts is it's, it's easy to make a concept, right? You're not actually building the OS. You don't <laughs> have boundaries. You don't have restrictions. You can think of anything you want and you can make it happen because all you need to do is design it. That's the thing with concepts. It's easy because you're, you're not actually building the software. But some concepts are bad. Some concepts are terrible. Some concepts are great because they show a lot of thought that went into designing them with 
as many restrictions and boundaries as you can. And this one by Parker is one of the great ones because it shows how Apple, in theory, could take advantage of the modularity of the iPad to build software features that follow along with your use case of the iPad. For example, uh, Parker imagined this radial, like, circular menu for additional tools shown around the tip of the pencil, around the tip of the Apple Pencil. So, like, a context menu for when you double-tap the pencil. And, I mean, the gesture doesn't matter. This is all theoretical. But the idea of what if you could have this interface that adapted contextually to the tip of the Apple Pencil and that gave you more tools like open settings or take a screenshot or change colors. Like, this should exist. Like, why isn't this, you know, it's fun. I can't believe no one is talking about this. But they should why put a isn't... button on the Apple Pencil, though. <laughs> like, this, that tap and gesture, like, no, put a physical button. Press the button. Do it. Yeah. Yes. It reminds me of the Microsoft Surface knob and like that little thing that you put down on the screen and you get this radial menu around it. That was great. That was like more of that. Similarly, we got Quick Note last year in iPadOS, right? Um, oh, which yeah. only Apple Notes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That thing. Yes. So it's, it's an Apple Notes only feature where you can swipe in from the bottom right corner or bottom left corner of the screen to take a quick note from anywhere. Fantastic feature that shows some potential for multitasking, maybe. And Parker imagined this, uh, again, another kind of like uh, circular menu where, like, what if you, you could swipe from the bottom right corner of the screen and you had an app picker for multi for different apps that you could use in this popover mode mm -hmm. and that's the idea the idea is quick note is like picture in picture for windows if you mm -hmm. think about it it's a notes window that is running in a picture in picture mode that mode should become available to every developer that wants to use it you should be able to open with just one gesture any kind of window you want and resize it with limitations to any corner of the screen you want it. Now, I'm not saying that iPadOS should get freeform window resizing. I'm saying the opposite. I'm saying that Apple should believe in something that maybe they have not done enough, which is take a feature from macOS, right? And maybe simplify it maybe give it new limitations, but adapt an, an old idea to the modern nature of the iPad. They have done it with split view. They have done it with files. They have done it with the dock. They've done it with keyboard shortcuts. They should do it with windowing as well. I'm not saying you should be able to drag the pointer to a corner of the screen and manually resize a window. I'm saying maybe there's a way to do window resizing with this like floating popover design that has, I don't know, presets for window sizes. You know, like, it's not like you can freely resize a window, but you have more than, you know, one option or yeah. two options. Yeah. And then, of course, there's external displays. <laughs> you know, that is the 
I think, the biggest problem right now, which is a lot of pro iPad users really bought into the idea, myself included, of you get an iPad Pro, you can use it as a tablet, you can use it as a laptop, thanks to the Magic Keyboard, but if you are at a desk, you can now use it as a workstation, except the latter didn't really came didn't really come true at all because you plug an iPad into an external display and it does nothing or rather it does the basic mirroring it doesn't give you anything special other companies have tried this before what's the what's it called the Samsung Dex, Dex. is it that yep. Dex right the idea that you have a portable device and you, it's a tablet or a phone but then when you dock it at a desk it gives you a desktop environment right that i think is something that apple could do much more elegantly much more natively with iPadOS than any other company and i really believe that but will they and that's what I find kind of sad because they've had multiple opportunities over the years. I mean, the iPad Pro, it's not a young platform anymore. The iPad Pro will turn seven in November of this year. Seven <laughs> years of iPad Pro. Wow. And we still have split view <laughs> and slide over. And now I guess we have the dock and multiple windows. But I ask you, is that enough for seven years? Of iPad Pro, you know the the more we we talk about the the iPads situation, if you will, I mean the more I really come back to believing like the core problem here is that they're trying to solve user interface issues for a super broad set of people, mm -hmm. and they've got to have an iPad you know that sells for three twenty nine that it's a bunch of kindergartners are going to use. Yep. And they also need to sell an iPad that somebody like you, Federico, wants to run his business off of. And a user interface and a set of features that scales to that wide of an audience. The Mac has the same problem, but the Mac is 40 years old. And so the problems are, even if they're not solved, they are what they are on the Mac, right? And people understand those more traditional computing methods. And Apple wants to reinvent those for the iPad, I think that's great, but they've got to find a way to do it where it works for everybody. And like, I don't envy that problem, mm -hmm. but at the same time, I totally agree with you. They should be bolder in what they try. And if people never come across it or never use it, that's fine, but be willing to, to branch out further. It still feels like they, they have the mm -hmm. sort of original, sit back in a chair, one app at a time, slow, quiet use of the iPad that was originally shown off. And I feel like they can't shake that or they're unwilling to. Honestly, like working on the iPad Pro and working on the MacBook Pro has given me, I guess, maybe a fresh perspective on this. But a lot of the times, a lot of the time it feels like I've had this training wheels on for the past seven years you know, and I and I ask myself what you just said, Stephen, that they need to reach this wider audience and they don't want to complicate things too much because the iPad is used by children, it's used by, you know, grandparents. And I get that. But at the same time, I also wonder, regular people of all kinds are buying 
laptops are buying portable computers. They right. run Windows and they, run, and they buy Macs, they buy MacBook Airs. It's not an unsolvable or it's not an unsolved problem already. You already have a user base, a customer base of people purchasing computers and not all of them are pros. You know, you buy a MacBook Pro, a uh, MacBook Air, I'm sorry. It's very likely you're not running Final Cut on that thing and you're not doing 3D complex, you know, VR building video games type of work, but you still buy a MacBook Air. Mm-hmm. And so I think Apple, you know, they're pretty smart people <laughs> and they know how to design features for multiple audiences at the same time. Whereas with the iPad Pro, it feels... Honestly, it always feels like Pro features were given to us as a favor. And and you can never shake that feeling that you're begging and begging and begging and eventually they give you the little candy and they're like, here you go. Don't you like this? And you're like, yes, more. No, not for two years. And like, okay. Like, Damage your teeth. This is not like, this is not even the carrot and the stick. This is like the carrot and an entire fence of sticks that you're given us, given to us over the years. Yeah. And it's like, can't you just do it more regularly and not, you know, spread apart by two years every single time? Yeah. I mean, they feel so hesitant to change anything. I mean, I was just sitting here thinking as you were, as you were speaking, the Mac user interface in like 1984, basic, that's basically what we have today, right? It's menus at the top of the screen, it's icons, it's folders, right? They sort of nailed it and have been iterating ever since. And the whole PC industry followed them for the most part. And on the iPad, I see none of that confidence from Apple. Like I think even mm. when they do things like Quick Note or the, um, uh, the little button at the top of all the windows to like slide your panels around... Like, all that feels so, like, hey, this is here if you want it, but we don't want to confuse people. Like, it's, I would rather, I want to see what you think about this. I would rather Apple make a big, bold change and it not go super well, and they have to, like, change it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Than the current pace of just, like, poking around the edges. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, be be bold. Like, the, the enthusiasm and the passion that has transpired from the past two years of the uh, new Mac line and Mac OS, that has made me look at the iPad and iPad OS uh, in a different light. I think like, I, I don't know, I guess I don't see that passion even, I mean, the iPad Pro hardware, they've, the last exciting thing they've done was the magic keyboard. Yeah with iPadOS 13.4. Like, and that was honestly exciting. But then, again, it stopped. Like, here you go with the Magic Keyboard, and no more than this for what? It's been two years now. You know, it was at the beginning of the, of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And it's this thing, like, you get one thing every couple of years, and then you're left wishing for the next 40, 24 months. And I don't know if... I have the patience for that anymore. And that makes me sad and disappointed. We go back to the beginning of this conversation. It makes me sad because even if I can be very productive and efficient on a MacBook Pro, a MacBook Pro still doesn't give me that feeling of an iPad Pro of like, 
I'm touching the computer and if I want to, I can take it out of the keyboard and now it's a tablet in my hands. That, that's what really makes me sad and, and bummed about this, which is this funda- fundamentally the idea of the iPad and the iPad Pro specifically as it is today. It is so exciting if you think about it. This computer that you hold and then it becomes a, a laptop and it could become a desktop workstation. I mean, it's got the power to run desktop software, but they're not doing it. At some point, you just got to, you know, pick your poison, I guess. Uh, do you want to have the modern platform, but it's a MacBook Pro that can only ever be a MacBook Pro? Or do you want to continue believing in the iPad Pro that has the potential to be many more things in the future, and it's a tablet today, but you got to risk it and you got to continue believing in that potential. And I guess I'm running out of hope. <laughs> that would be the conclusion. <laughs> you know, even I can run out of hope. Well, it, it's sad to say, but you got to be realistic. You know, at some point you just got to be realistic. And if all we get in iPadOS 16 is a new app picker, eh, that's my reaction. It's uh, it is a bummer. James mentioned something in the Discord. Uh, be bold like the Safari UI. Yes, that that is precisely the point. They went a little too far, but they understood that fundamentally there was something good about the idea, and they refined that. That's the process. Like you swing big, and maybe some things you miss. But if you know that there's something there, you keep refining it. That's what the beta cycle in the summer is for. But, but yeah, that's the kind of change I want to see. That's exactly what I want to see. Like, why does split view have to be the same split view of seven years ago? Like, is there really nothing else in the entire world of modern multitasking that you can try beyond split view Hmm. i I don't know i don't know well we'll just uh we'll have to see more unfolds as we get closer to wbdc be at the intersection of developer news and features that's what that conference is and sadness (laughs) i am i got my that expression i feel like we cannot use it for at least uh, three episodes i'm sure we'll remember that i'm sure someone will tell us that's true (laughs) (laughs) Three episodes from now, we can use the intersection thing again. If you want to find links to stuff we spoke about, head on over to the show notes this week. They're at relay.fm slash connected slash 394. While you're there, you can send us an email with feedback or follow-up. You can also join and become a member of Connected Pro, which is a longer ad-free version of the show each and every week. Uh, This week on the pre-show, we talked about Mac Stories turning 13 and a, uh, a piece of computer equipment that was left behind at the last WWDC that its fate is unknown. <laughs> you can find us all on Twitter. You can find Mike on Twitter as I-M-Y-K-E. Mike hosts a bunch of other shows here on Relay FM. You can find Federico on Twitter, Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and he's the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net. Automation April is still going, so stay tuned. Still going. Stay tuned for uh, what the guys have in store for the rest of the month. You can find me on Twitter as ISMH, and I write at 512pixels.net. 
I'd like to thank our sponsors, FitBod, Squarespace, and Capital One for making this episode possible. And until next week, guys, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Bye, y'all.